All right, join us now, our good friend Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. What is going on, my man? TC, all that hoop central talk has me fired up. I mean, I love college basketball, period. But these couple of weeks building up to the NCAA tournament selection show, every game matters. These teams that are fighting for those spots, we got one of those tonight with West Virginia, Oklahoma State, a couple of bubble teams there fighting for their life. A bunch more of those games tomorrow. I absolutely love this time of year, TC. And I can't wait for the tournament. So far, I only know I'm going to two. I've been promising my guys up in Big Sky Country since they signed with us four years ago. I'd make the trip up to Boise. So I will be up in Boise on the 5th and 6th, then going to Nashville for the SEC tournament, baby. There it is. Okay, and then and now you've uh, passed on your, your other tickets and credentials uh, to me for the Pac-12 and all the other 10 <laughs> tournaments that you have from the Horizon to the Big South, Mid-South, everywhere else. directly over to you. I love it, man. I love it. No, it's great. Uh, and as we know, Matt, uh, we love this time of year, especially here in Vegas. The WCC will be here first, as we know, one of our favorite tournaments. And, you know, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, uh, it's, it's usually a ritual. But, hey, talk about next Saturday. You got Gonzaga hosting St. Mary's. Uh, the cheapest ticket, if you want to try to go to Gonzaga, St. Mary's at the Kennel next Saturday, ESPN Game Day will be up there. 800 bucks, the wow. cheapest ticket that you can get. Uh, and, uh, you know, St. Mary's very good this year. Gonzaga may be a little bit down, but, uh, we're looking forward to that. And then, as you know, we got Pac 12 here, the Mountain West, uh, which could be, a, a, you know, could be wide open as well, too. So, uh, yeah, great tournaments. And then, uh, I'll be calling the Big West over at the Dollar Loan Center. So, yeah, y- we know how it is, man. We love this time of year. Here's a bet for you, TC, right now. If you, and, and we'll make the Pac 12 a two to one favorite to make it fair. Who gets more teams in the NCAA tournament, the Pac-12 or the WCC? They both have two locks. They both have a couple of fringe, uh, what we'll call bubble teams with LMU and Santa Clara on, on the Pac-12 side, Oregon, Arizona State. At the end of the day, does either one of these conferences get a third in? It's amazing we're talking about a Power Five struggling to get a third in, but that is the case for the Pac-12 this year. Who ends up with more teams in TC right now, WCC or the Pac-12? I'm gonna say a slight. It's funny, like you and you put it perfectly, Matt. That's like an insane conversation normally because, well, of course it's gonna be the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 should get four or five in every year. But you're right. I mean, the Pac-12 is very top heavy this year. I mean, you got Arizona, right? You got UCLA. You got SC. After that, I mean, you're we're scrambling, right? Yeah, right now they only have two in. So right now both of those conferences have two teams in. USC is actually on the outside looking in right now. Mm-hmm. And then you have USC, Arizona State, Utah, Oregon, all on the barely on the wrong side of the bubble. Same thing on the WCC side. While their two next contenders, LMU and Santa Clara, are probably a little further away, you have to remember that LMU has beaten both uh, uh St. Mary's and Gonzaga already this year, so they're 18 and 11 with a couple of top 15 wins to their credit as well. Santa Clara or LMU could both easily win this tournament, and then of course WCC would get a third in. I think it's a really interesting wager or proposition, even as a friendly one. 
which of these two te- uh, conferences gets more in? You know what? I, I think Matt maybe even maybe a better, um, uh, I guess, wagering conversation topic if you compare the Pac-12 to the Mountain West because we've seen with the Mountain West, okay, it's a, a little bit top heavy, but for the most part. You got more balance in that conference. Not saying that it's really any good, but you've got San Diego State and Boise State. They look like they're, they're locked at the number one and two seeds right now. But you know, Utah State, Nevada can make some noise as well, too. And, you know, we'll throw even, I mean, UNLV is number nine right now. But when you look three to 11 in the Mount West, any of those teams can beat anyone on any given day. So maybe we should be saying Mountain West versus Pac 12. I think that's more of a, you don't have to lay two to one on that. That's right. In fact, you might have to lay two to one with the Mountain West, who, according to Joe Lenardi right now in Bracketology, have four teams in the NCAA tournament. The thing that really scares me, and for new commissioner Gloria Navarez, who's one of my favorite people in all of collegiate athletics, I think she's a rising star, former head of basketball operations at the Pac-12, former commissioner of the WCC, who just came over to take over the new spot as commissioner of the Mountain West. She asked me the other day if they could get five in. Here's what scares me, TC. The last two times the Mountain West got four teams in the NCAA tournament, they went 0-4 and 0-4. So I am really nervous this year because, to your point, none of those teams are great, but four or five of them are really good, and I am just so scared if the committee puts four of them in again and they go 0-4 again, I don't know that we're ever going to see four Mountain West teams make the tournament again. No, Matt, you hit the nail on the head. I don't want to see it, and it shouldn't even get to that. No, they should not get more than two in. Really, I mean that, because with so much parity in college basketball, there are better teams. Now, yeah, if Utah State or maybe Nevada, they do get hot, okay, maybe we make a case for that. But right now, San Diego State definitely looks to be the cream of the crop. Boise State is right behind them, I think. But really, I really, I do not want to see any more Mountain West Conference teams. I mean, again, I said it last year, and I and I went against every one of those four that went in there, including San Diego State last year. I said, they're not going to win a game. And you're right. This was a, the last two times they got four in, they went 0-4. So I don't think any of these teams are going to win a game again this year. So I'm with you. I don't want to see it. Yeah, I, I think San Diego State has the size to give somebody problems so they could win a game. Boise, you never know. I just, I, they win so many tight games in that conference. I'm not really sure they could win a game. But if you, after Boise and San Diego State, if you took any of those teams, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah State, and put them against the bubble teams from the PAC or the WCC, I mean, Oregon's a favorite over any of those on a neutral. I just don't know, TC. I'm hoping, to your point, they get two in so that expectations are a little bit more realistic. Maybe San Diego State can win a game, get the Mountain West off the snide, and we can all be happy. But I am very nervous. Somehow they sneak four in again this year, and I just don't see the the talent there competing nationally. And all of a sudden they go 0-4, and and then in a year where we really do deserve to get four teams in here from the Mountain West, the committee's probably going to be hesitant to do it because we've had such poor results. Yeah, Matthew Holt uh, joins us, U.S. Integrity, T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house, talking a little college hoops there. Marco, when you hear about these three conferences, uh, we're talking about what, what are your thoughts? Who gets in? Who the West, gets out? The West Coast Conference won't get the third team unless 
Santa Clara or Marymount pulls off an upset and wins the tournament. And that just doesn't happen because you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to go through both Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Mm. You could pull one upset. You're not going to pull both upsets. And that's the problem. The Mountain West, we've seen it. You talk about parity. Every year, there's that one team that makes that run and that surprise and wins the conference championship and gets the automatic berth. And then you owe the team that's done it all year to get in there. And that's why they end up with the extra in there. And sometimes, let's face it, some of these conferences, you know, the coaches know they got a spot locked up. Why go four games and four nights, you know, and push yourself? I mean, I used to say it all the time with the big, the old Big East, the original Big East, whenever it was a war. I mean, you pounded the ball inside. They were physical matchups. The team that come out of the Big East tournament so often lost in the first round. They were done. They were beat up. And we've seen that in the, the ACC sometimes as well, too, you know. Um, but, uh, well, Matt, you, you got yourself, I think, a, a pretty good tournament out in the SEC this year as well, too. Uh, that's, that's going to be fantastic. And again, I mean, you know, you can make a case that maybe the SEC is, if not the top conference, maybe the second best conference. Yeah, I think they're having a really nice rebound year. I think you can make a very strong case that Alabama is the best team in the country. Their super freshman Brandon Miller, who who wasn't one of the most you know heralded players going into this season, everyone was talking about this veteran backcourt for the Crimson Tide. But Brandon Miller is going to be the third or fourth pick off the board in this year's NBA draft, and maybe the first pick from an you know American Collegiate University, as the top two picks are supposed to be international picks. And then, of course, Tennessee certainly capable of making a deep run. Kentucky starting to play better basketball at the right time, at least is suddenly on the right side of the bubble there. Arkansas, now that they're getting healthier, Nick Smith is back. While they've had a little bit of a disappointing run lately, they won their last game. And with, again, a potential lottery pick finally back and healthy and in the lineup for the Razorbacks. They're poised to make a run. Texas A&M is playing some great basketball, winners of five straight, and is quietly 12-2 and in the SEC. I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, tournament down there in Nashville. And while everyone probably just assumes it's Alabama-Tennessee in the championship, no matter what, or Alabama-Tennessee winning it, I'm telling you, A&M, Kentucky's playing great basketball right now. Even Vandy's starting to ball out a little bit. Auburn has the shooting on any single night to shoot their way in and out of games. I think it's going to be a fun tournament. Matt, is it better or worse for a conference like that when the top dog, Kentucky, as you talked about, isn't the top dog that makes it wide open? It's good and bad. So I think it's good in terms of your ability to get more teams and your ability to prep for the NCAA tournament. So normally these teams need to beat Kentucky in the in the SEC tournament to help earn them a bit or better seeding. But at this point, Alabama is pretty much a lock to be a one seed, even if they get bounced in their first round of the SEC tournament. Tennessee can probably be no worse than a three. They could be a two, I guess, if they move up. So those teams don't have to push really hard. And at the end of the day, I think you're going to see, is assuming Kentucky can continue to win here down the stretch, you'll see Wildcat Big Blue Nation there fill up the arenas. They're starting to get excited about this team all again. 
And you have some fan bases who feel like they have a shot, who some years, Marco, don't even show up in Nashville because they say, what are we showing up for a one-and-done for? But Texas A&M travels very well when the team's competitive. They're pretty excited about that 12-2 and conference record all of a sudden and being on the right side of the bubble. I think Vanderbilt's going to have some wonderful reputation being right there in Nashville as sort of the home team tournament. Uh, with the run that they're on right now, having won five straight for the Commodores. It's been a while since they've been competitive. Auburn always travels. I actually think it's going to be a really good thing because the problem down in Nashville is the Kentucky games are sold out and the other games are half full. And you're like, all right, well, the Kentucky games are amazing, but the rest of them, the crowds are eh, eh. I think you're going to see some big crowds for a lot of games this year, and it's going to be an exciting tournament. Speaking of Big Blue Nation, my friend, all right, now, does that mean you're going to be wearing some blue and white uh, Wildcat jerseys, you know, the the alma mater there, or do you got to go neutral because you're representing them? So I usually try to go a little bit neutral. Uh, you know, I may throw on a big blue for one of the Kentucky games, but overall, then maybe just wear an SEC shirt and, and root for some great. So you're games. talking about maybe some blue, some some Kentucky big blue socks or underwear. That's what you're talking about, right? So you know, still kind of you know, you're representing, even though the public might not see that, right? That's right. Got to go easy. <laughs> All right. I want to talk with you real quick about the Super Bowl betting. We know the numbers were released uh, um, last week, about midweek or so, but the handle was down, Matt. Last year, we know $179.8 million. We had talked about uh, not only with you, but our sportsbook directors around town thinking, oh, no, this is going to be record-shattering. $153.2 million, a decline of nearly 15%. That's a 40, that's what, no, $26.6 million down. We know the books won $11.3 million on the game. Why the reasoning for the handle being down this year? I think a lot of the acute regulated sports betting people knew that there could have been a little bit of trouble with the handle this year in comparative with the Super Bowl being in Arizona, because so much of the Super Bowl handle here, and, and by the way, so, you know, right now, Nevada is about the fifth or sixth state in terms of total handle in the entire country, but we're always number one in the Super Bowl. So despite the fact that New York might do, a, you know, $1.5 billion a month during the football season on average, while Nevada is doing $600 million, when it comes to Super Bowl, we get all the tourists coming here to watch and bet the big game. But with the Super Bowl being so close right over the border in Arizona, a lot of Nevadans made the short drive over to Arizona to be a part of the festivities, to be a part of everything that was going on uh, right across the border in Arizona. And then we lost that handle. And then, of course, the number one sports betting app in the state, uh, William Hill Caesars, actually went down right when the game started. And if you take their market share and what their market share has been in Nevada with William Hill and Caesars um, and say, well, okay, so they have, let's say, a 30% market share here in Nevada, and then they lost all that wagering during the game and, and all the futures and activity that comes with being up and taking bets throughout the game. There was a loss there, too. I mean, there, I mean I'm sure that you know, they were, they certainly weren't happy about it and they got it fixed, but they didn't have it fixed that night. So there was some lost handle there from the market leader in Nevada, combined with the fact that the Super Bowl itself was in a neighboring state um, that was just a drive away. And I don't think it's a huge surprise that the handle was down this year in Nevada. 
so we know that with that William Hill uh, mobile app going down, really inexcusable, and especially being down for the four days that it was, uh, what kind of repercussions are are they going to see here? Uh, I, I know the Nevada Gaming Control Board was uh, involved here, thoroughly disappointed. We know that the the betters, their their accounts were all locked up. It was just a travesty. But uh, are we going to be hearing about fines? What's going to happen here? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure, TC. And I can tell you that nobody was more disappointed than the folks at William Hill and Caesars. They work awful hard. They prepared awful hard for the Super Bowl. And and they were disappointed as well that it was a technical issue that caused all of this. Um, So I'll have to leave those questions up to the Gaming Control Board. It certainly wasn't intentional. It certainly wasn't malicious. It doesn't make it any less of a bad experience for the people that it happened to. Um, but with that being said, you know, I think sometimes when these fines and mistakes happen, intent has to be taken into the factor, and, and there certainly wasn't any malicious intent here. Betting on the NBA All-Star game yesterday, Matt, how did this uh, even – even what? how could there be betting, right? Because you, you're doing uh, – selecting teams now an hour before tip-off. There's no line. There's no nothing. Then they put up a line, and uh, I'm just curious. I mean – this is something that, even though it's it's a garbage game, we used to see you know money bet on this thing. But I mean, isn't this kind of weird that you know? Okay, well, if you want to bet on the game, we got to wait till forty five minutes or a half hour before the game to uh, to put up a line. You know, twenty year low in engagement and betting on the Pro Bowl. Twenty year low in engagement and betting on the NBA All Star Game. But but here's the problem, because I don't want to blame those two leagues for what we saw here. Everyone complains about these events every year. They're too stale, they're mundane, they're boring, who cares? It really is two-hand touch football already, nobody's trying. So at the end of the day, fans complain, 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 and then you go out to people who are marketing people who are you know, sort of entertainment people who aren't gambling people, and they throw something different together last minute because they're hearing the complaints, they're trying to do something better. And unfortunately, those things did not lead to any attraction or engagement by bettors. And when it comes to exhibition events, the one thing we do know is if people don't bet them, they don't watch them. So with betting down so much, it wasn't a surprise to see the overall numbers so disappointing. You got it. All right. He is Matt Holt, U.S. Integrity. Matt, uh, appreciate you as always, my friend. Look forward to the madness beginning. And uh, you'll be on the road. But, hey, we're going to be looking forward, and we'll talk more and more about this, man. Yeah, I'm going to try to bebop around. Let's try to make sure we catch a game, whether it's at the WCC, Mountain West, Pac-12, whatever. I'll try to make sure I make one. Look forward to watching a game with you. You got it, brother. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. All right. Take care, guys. There Bye. it is. All right. Matt Holt uh, on top of it. Again, U.S. Integrity monitoring all of uh, the sports action here.